with the mic, just try to keep it like literally like, oh, like in your right like in your mouth. Oh, it's in okay. I mean, <laughs> usually, like it's it's black, usually it's a black one, but whatever. I mean, we could we oh yeah, I, we, <laughs> we swap. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Okay, we're rolling Wait. too. I'm leaving. That oh, we're in. rolling. Oh, yeah, you're I'm leaving. leaving that in. Oh god damn it. <laughs> um, okay, okay, all right. Right off the bat, before we start anything, K Y, the creative, not Kai. So K Y is my initials. Uh, for Kofi Aboa, which is hard enough for people to say, but then I realized that when I made an abbreviation of my name, everybody just got that thing wrong too, which kind of takes away the entire point, <laughs> yeah. which was a little bit weird. So uh, yeah, initials, K-Y. Tried to make it simpler and made it way more complicated. <laughs> it's the worst. And it's so funny because like people will be like, hey, it's Kai. I'm like, who? Where? Where? I don't, I don't know who that guy is. Can I be Can I be really honest with you? Um you thought it was the same thing. I thought it you? was Kai. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. And it's weird because like I, think, I, I figured it out quickly, and I never made that mistake again. But initially, I did think it was. Kai. What's crazy though is like now it's like it's in my Instagram bio. Like you can read it now. So anytime someone like messages me, I'm like, you have to see that line before going to the message button. Now, now there's no excuse. Um, yeah. I even got a T-shirt for my birthday that actually says KY not Kai now. I saw that, and I was and <laughs> so I, I, I now wear it all over my house. I just became a meme. It just became a meme. It's, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Just go, you just gotta you just gotta go on like Fiverr or something. You get somebody to record you. Like I want to go on Fiverr and get Morgan Freeman to voice over all of my product reviews. It's because <laughs> it's, it's fairly like, inexpensive. Like in terms of like how product reviews go, like it might cost me like sixty seventy bucks to do it. But like I think to be like to separate yourself in like the YouTube space, especially in the camera space, because everybody has reviews. Get Morgan Freeman's voice. Well, he'd be on Cameo, not Fiverr, I would think. No, no, like so, not actual Morgan Freeman. Like in the ads too, it says like, oh, like I'm a Morgan not Freeman Morgan Impre- Freeman, okay. <laughs> but okay. I do sound like Morgan Freeman. Like that's actually how he, like that's actually how the ad is. So it's just people that are really good voice actors. That's so funny. So I think I'm gonna do that from now on. As you Morgan just have Freeman. Morgan Freeman letting you know. Uh, actually, a video today where uh, I have an alter ego. So you know, like um, there's Squarespace Pete on Peter McKinnon's channel. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I'm gonna introduce Roadman Kofi. Roadman Kofi. Okay, so. <laughs> I watched Top Boy all the way through, like in two days. Okay. And me and my, like my sister and I watched it. And we started walking around the house with British accents for the rest of like the month. Drove our parents crazy. But then we actually started getting really good at these accents. <laughs> so I figured I'm like, you know what? If I, if I dress like Big Shaq in my office and start talking about camera gear, like maybe just adds another dimension that's like kind of funny. We'll see how it goes. Like it might make people really cringy, but uh, I'm going to give it a shot and see if uh, Roadman Kofi could actually... <laughs> You just gotta. Well, I mean, you, hey, that's 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 been a big part of your mo is just throw shit out there. And yeah. Just, oh yeah. Well, like here's the thing. Like, and someone mentioned it like really early on when I first started like making content or whatever was like everyone's everyone said like social media is like a lottery, but you write your own tickets. Mm. So you have, but the thing is, you have an unlimited amount of tickets you could write. Okay. So if you like, and by tickets I mean like as many times you post content. So realistically. For someone to be like, hey, I'm going to buy that person's preset pack or buy that LUT pack or I'm going to book that person for a shoot really comes down to like a couple of posts that they have to see at just the right time. They just have to have that need. They just have to have that time. We're like, I have enough money for this. So my thing is if I make a bunch of content all the time, you're always that you might be like your, your chances of being that ticket they draw is way higher. Right. And then you, and you detach your feelings around, oh, what's the right post or the right thing to say or whatever realistically people just like at this point because it's so competitive it's so over like it's so saturated you may as well lean into it a little bit and then just be the person that almost outproduces the the the, the average 
Right. right. Because if I if I might if I make meet you at a meeting or something like that or I see you at like some sort of party or a meetup, I'm going to go to your account and be like, OK, I'm going to check this Kevin guy out. But if you post like once a week, I might not even see it. I might just follow you. I might get like one thing you posted like three weeks ago and mm-hmm. I scroll by it and you never hear anything again. But if and what I made a big point of doing, especially like earlier on, is whenever I go to like an expo or something like that, I had like three to five posts lined up. So if I met somebody, they followed me on Instagram or whatever, they would. First of all, when you follow somebody like you'll see their post like first and right away. But then the next day, they're like, oh, shit, this guy posted something. And it was, like, recent. Like, it, was just, it just happened. And then you do that for, like, a couple days after. And I started to do, like, kind of small experiments where I'm like, I wonder, like, how likely I would be to, like, book a shoot if every time I interact with somebody, I post, like, every day for a couple days afterward. And most of the time, they'll be like, hey, uh, so I see you're posting a lot. Like, how how much is that? Like, how, w- w- tell me more. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where you might not have had that chance if you only did it once a week because they only they might only draw that card once and then never see you again because it's so it's we scroll so often we see people so often we follow people left and right don't even think about it where you're more likely at the top of mind if you're just creating content it doesn't have to be overcomplicated either yeah so it, well it's just like unlimited free entries yeah the only buried entry is the effort you're willing to put in exactly it makes sense i mean well i've my my philosophy i don't know if i've ever I've definitely said this like a thousand times to people, but maybe never like <laughs> on a show. But <clears throat> like to me, the idea of um, like my philosophy is on professionalism and um, networking. Professionalism to me is just about saying what you doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. So if I say um, I'm going to, you know, if I say that I'm, if we book a shoot at 12 p.m. on this day, I'm going to be there at 12 p.m. on that day. If I tell you that we are going to we are going to produce this amount of content in this amount of time, I do that. That to me is professionalism. Mm. It's just a matter of doing. It's as simple as doing what you say yeah. you're going to do. And networking is just as simple as just showing up. Yeah. If there's if there's an opportunity with um with people that you are doing what you want to do or people that you want to be next to, if there's any opportunity, you show up to that thing. If there's yeah. any any level of entry that you can have. And now, like social media, like exactly what you were saying, you can show up on people's feed. Yeah. And, you know, like showing up, it doesn't necessarily have to be an in-person type of showing up. You can just show up everywhere. So you, your name shows up everywhere. Your your content shows up everywhere. You just show up. And people will start to notice. And people will start to see you. Yeah. And that's and that's when people will start to start to make the connection. If you just keep popping up, they can they can only ignore you for so long. And even if they continue to ignore you, they'll still know who you are. Yeah. And that is how you that is eventually how your name will start to grow. So, yeah, two simple things: professionalism, do what you say you're going to do; networking, just show up. Yeah. And I think it's now, really especially when like you couldn't really go outside as often as the last couple of years, like the value of showing up on the digital space became way more important. Yeah. But and then you could show up not just in one place, but you can show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can show up to somebody that's in the UK. You could show up to somebody that's in the United States. You can show up to somebody that's in Markham. You can show up to like you could like you, there's because everybody has social media. It's the neighborhood for everybody. Mm-hmm. Where okay, cool. How can I? And the thing is, I think people kind of overthink how they can show up. Where sometimes it's just as easy as a conversation like this, mm-hmm. right? You say something that someone's like, hey, yeah, like I resonate with that. That That's helpful. Yeah. Or you say, or especially for a lot of people in the camera space, they're like, oh, that person uses that lens and that's why they like it? Cool. And you could just sit there with the lens, get a microphone, say, I like it. These are the reasons why. Takes you maybe two, five, two to five minutes. 
Maybe you got to do some color correction. Maybe you got to add some subtitles. Maybe it takes you 10 minutes. But that might be somebody's entry point in being like, oh, I should follow this guy. Or, oh, he knows his stuff. Maybe I should ask more about, like, whatever the case might be, right? It's something that's so simple where I'm starting to realize that social media isn't necessarily where you put your art. You just put the process on there, which is way easier because the process doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be process. And if you could show that over and over again, that's another lottery ticket you draw out for someone to be like, okay, I want to follow this and see where it goes. Yeah. Because you are somebody who you have like, (laughs) if we're sticking to the lottery analogy, you have not just just multiple tickets, you have every type of ticket. You've put everything out there. Yeah. Because, you know, there's there's people who will either, you know, like lean into either um, being the content creator who makes content for other creators as in like things like tutorials, things like gear reviews, things like that. Or you can be somebody who, and this is more of what I did, which is what I lean more into just focusing solely on, I guess you would call it client work, which is establishing connections with people who will contract you for, Mm. for your service and not lean as much into, you know, like the tutorial type thing, but you've done like all of it. You, you went every which way that you could with it. Yeah. And I think the reason why I did that is one, the way that like kind of I approach uh, shoots and stuff like that, especially now, like I don't, I would say like money's great. I'm not, but I, I will say that in terms of like people in the, like the industry people is still kind of underpaid. But the way that I exchange on value for that is the ability to make as much content from a tutorial or behind the scenes or whatever the case it might be, right? Like making as many chunks of that as I can. And I also started to find out that most people didn't hire me from finished work. I would get like st- like I would put out like some sort of insight on creative business and get a story reply from somebody who's not in that business asking to book a shoot and I'd be super confused. I'm like, "Okay, so I've posted like hundreds of finished photos and literally like 200 videos in like the a couple the last couple of years, but me talking about avoiding scope creep was the thing that made you want to spend $1500. Oh, I don't understand." Interesting. So my thing was like, "Oh, okay, well if it's as easy as posting all types of facets of your process, not just the end product, then do that instead. And I'm starting to like Instagram specifically, Instagram and TikTok specifically, even YouTube. If you want to see art or you want to see my art, go to my website because that way it's all about me. I can Mm. show you all of the finished products that you want to see. It'll be up on there. Mind you, I have to kind of work on my website. I haven't really put a lot of effort into it. (laughs) But if you want to see pieces of processes and mindset stuff and just how that person's brain works, that's where you go to Instagram. That's where you go to YouTube. That's where you go to TikTok and stuff like that because mm-hmm. you don't like the pressure to put on finished work shouldn't be on those platforms. First of all, the quality de- degradation that you get when you post it on there is there anyways, yeah. right? So then what's Stomps the point? It out. <laughs> like, what's the point of me getting like a Netflix-approved cinema camera where it goes on YouTube and it's down compressed, or you mm. put it on Instagram and it's down compressed? I'm like, yeah. oh, then just go to my website. I'll put a Vimeo link on it. You can see it in its full entirety. You can see what it's all about in yeah. the best light that you can. But on Instagram. Yeah, you can see my before and after color grading. That's not a big deal. And that takes you seconds to do, right? You just you export the frames in the orientations you want to put it in, and you call it a day. I could talk about camera gear. I sit in my office, and it's already beside me, and I already know the answer to those questions. So I don't have to do research. I've, I've used it already. So yeah. it doesn't take a lot from me to just be like, hey, this is an FX3. It does X, Y, and Z because I've, I've used it on a regular basis. Here's some clips of what it looks like when I do do those things. I don't have to show you what it looks like at the end. For the most part, most people don't care. Because everybody is so good now, like every every uh, creator in the, in the in the film space or whatever, or the photography space, like everybody's good because everybody everybody's has access so to great quality stuff. So why would I try to compete on image quality? It doesn't make any sense. Mm. But I can compete on being personable. I can compete on 
knowing more than the next person or just being able to know about craft. I can even just compete on a personality perspective where some people are like, oh, I get to see a lot more of that person's personality. The people that resonate and gel with that are going to be people that are more likely to, to choose you mm-hmm. because it's not because if everybody's good, what else do you differentiate your choices on? Yeah. Right. And if it's, hey, I want to actually just hang out with that guy for a day and it's going to cost me the same and I know I'm going to get something good. And it, it kind of it kind of writes itself for you to and it kind of writes itself for you and encourages you to advertise on personality all the time, especially when you're a solopreneur um, or you're somebody that is like like you and I. Right. Like we are we're we do have businesses. We are business people. But the majority of our marketing is front facing. It's us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if you can't function as a multiple person production company, marketing agency, content agency or whatever, the onus and the only differentiating factor is is our faces, our personalities and the things that we say, and the things mm-hmm. that we do. Yeah, I, I was talking to I had uh, a, um, a coach, a, a personal trainer on on the show a couple of weeks ago, and <clears throat> he was talking about, um, you know, when people hire trainers, he, he got this from from his his mentor, which was that people don't buy training. They buy the trainer. They 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 hire you. They hire yeah. you for you. And a big part of that is your personality and because they they feel like they're going to be comfortable around you because you can go you can go online and search Toronto whatever it yeah. is and find hundreds hundreds of people and they're all going to be good like you said and so it's just like what's the thing that's going to set you apart and when it comes to social media like the idea essentially behind it in in my opinion is about the person like i, I to me I, f- I find it kind of cringe when there's just Instagram pages that are just solely businesses and have no face behind them, have no names behind them. Uh, it makes me not want to, <laughs> it makes me not want to engage or interact with them because I don't know. I feel like I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah. It, it feels very, it's, it's very faceless. And yeah, I mean like the, the entire idea of social media is like, it's, it's social, right? It's you, you want to feel like you're connecting with a person. And so that's kind of like what, I've built my, I guess, brand um, on too, which is because I, I've, I've, there's a lot of stuff that I, I post on my social media that's just like a lot of shit posting. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> there's, there's some <laughs> garbage that I put on my on my social media. Put it all on my story so that it doesn't live forever. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just what I, I my philosophy on it has always been just like just whatever I feel like posting. Fuck, it, I'm just gonna post it. Okay. Yeah. And, and you, that's it. You never know, like it's gonna resonate with somebody or like there's just little tidbits that you throw out there that like make people feel like they know who you are and not a curated version of who, even though to some extent everything will always be curated. Yeah. There's nothing you're, you're never going to get away from that, but they're always going to feel like they are, you know, getting a, a certain sense of you that is you and not just mm-hmm. this is my business. And and I think what's the tough part about that too, though, is like when you are the front person, the front facing person, you are kind of the face of your brand. Uh, there's this old saying that people buy from people and business buy from businesses. So what ends up happening is sometimes you get birdcaged into only dealing with people, which in some situations from a business perspective isn't always the greatest idea. So you have to find this weird balance where you still have to be an objective business person, but you still mm. also have to be a human being at the same time. Right. Because, for example, like if I am uh, – what's a company that's down here? So if I'm like McDonald's, I'm probably mm. not going to call Kevin to go and do my video, but I will call Kevin's business to do it. Right. And I'll pay Kevin's business, even if you just show up. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing that for a McDonald's shoot. But realistically, if I'm a larger business, I want to buy from other businesses. So it becomes this weird kind of ebb and flow and this weird balance where now you have to almost be two 
things at the same time. Yeah. You have to function like a bigger company and you have to be a human being because, yes, people want to buy from a person, but a business doesn't care about the person. Right. Right. They have they buy from like Marvel movies aren't. Hey, I want uh, <laughs> Joss Whedon to do this. Yeah. It's like, hey, Kevin Feige, in your in, in your corporation, you you figure out the rest. I'm ex- I'm expecting you to pull 100, 200 people to make this happen. Not Kevin Feige. I want you to show up with like a Sony A7S3 yeah. and film me a next Marvel <laughs> yeah. movie kind of thing, right? Where that's where it becomes a little bit interesting. And you also have to kind of be, I guess, a little bit more aware of the the business that you're in or where you are, and from like a niche perspective, because that'll dictate how much of uh, the business person you want to be, like how much of the business that's not front-facing and how much of the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, in like fitness, dealing with models and stuff like that, it's easier being the person. But there also is room for the fact that you still have to function as a, a scaled company where that's where you see a lot of guys in the creative space like on YouTube and stuff like that. Like they have production companies, but they're also themselves at the same time. Yeah. Where you kind of have to, it's hard to do both. Unless you have a massive following where they don't even care. They just want you to be in it. Because mm-hmm. they know the value of you being there, uh, I'm not quite there yet. But you now, if the other option then is that you have to have enterprise, I guess is what you want to call it, and then personal brand beside each other, and one has to complement the other, which is a really hard thing to do. Um, but again, if people still buy into. It, it goes right back to you still go for the person. You still go for how you feel about that thing because everybody is good. All production companies are great. Mm -hmm. But what kind of thing, like have I looked at some of their work and said like, okay, I felt something. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Right. So like the, the methodology is still the same. It's just how you present it. That's a little bit different from a person to person, like a, like a you to me Mm -hmm. or like a you to a you to we, there we go. But yeah, (laughs) so it's a, a little bit weird. Um, having to do both things and I find that I'm in a crossroads where I've been passed up on jobs because I'm a person mm. and not enterprise. Yeah. Now, can I pull things together in order to to have that? Absolutely. But if I'm somebody that's an objective business that's fairly large, I'm not going to take that risk. And I'm willing to pay for not taking that risk. That's why you see companies with a lot bigger budgets. It's not necessarily they say I have a bunch of money to throw around. No company, no Fortune 5. Like, nobody wants to spend money they don't necessarily need to spend. Mm-hmm. But money mitigates risk, mm-hmm. right? The more money that I pay a videographer, a cinematographer, a production company, whatever, what I'm saying is I'm mitigating risk because I'm hoping that the money that I'm giving you is enough money to close a gap between what I need you to do and what actually happens. And with production companies, that means having people that are specialized in certain departments. So we become actually riskier options, even if they right. pay less money. And I think that's something that creators don't realize that they're like, oh, well, like I'm way cheaper than your other option. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars for one person. It doesn't matter. If I'm a McDonald's, a Cineplex, a Pizza Pizza, whatever, I don't care about saving $8,000. I care about getting the thing that I need to get done. Yeah, right. And if I think that you on your own aren't able to do it, it doesn't matter how cheap you make it. I'm not doing it. Right. right? And I think that's where the, the thing gets mixed up. And then you have to make those decisions on how do you place yourself now in the space, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's, it's just cra- like, there's, there are like, there's levels to it because, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, w- when you get into that higher sort of upper echelon of like, you know, the, 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 the type of clientele that have access to the types of resources to be able to like, yes, they would definitely rather put down for an option that is going to get them a superior, lower maintenance, and you know more reliable yeah. outcome as opposed to something that is just going to save them a little bit of money. Yeah. And 
but yeah, I mean, it, there there is sort of like that weird like balance to strike between being a human being and being like, <laughs> yeah, like a like a heavily scaled business. <clears throat> even a lowly scale business too right like a lot of production companies now you see the teams are getting smaller they're not 30 40 people they might be like 10 yeah. they might be four they might be five or whatever um i think what i'm thinking of possibly the remedy for that or possibly the solution is that the old spice guy <laughs> if the old spice guy was a ceo of old spice okay because <laughs> hear me out so everybody that sees the old spice brand walking through the department store they see the deodorant they see the spray the first thing they think about is a guy on the horse Right, right. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. The, or like the axe commercials or whatever. But like, if the axe commercial was like a character, like, a, like a, if axe just had axe Chad or something like that. Yeah. Where somebody from the company is the face of a much larger company, and you know them as just the face of this bigger thing. So it's still a big company, yeah. but you're always talking to that person. Right. Right. So like, if you were to like, if I was somebody who was younger and didn't realize that Old Spice is a gigantic company, if I was to like DM them on Instagram, I think I'm talking to the Old Spice guy on the horse, mm. which is perfect because <laughs> people will still think they're interacting with a person because right. there's a, a spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a business that wants to um, collaborate or work with Old Spice, it's still a business to business thing. Right now, that's tough because now you have to try to find a way to make you this like you almost have to wipe everybody's memory that you were a solopreneur and be like, oh, yeah, I'm the spokesman of this big company that I also own and that I'm kind of starting off being the only employee of. So now you have to almost like for the for like the interim, almost pretend you're a larger company, but you're still one person, but you're scaling at the same time, which is great in like our situation because we have a network where you can outsource and stuff. So when you have gigs that are bigger. <clears throat> we have gigs that are bigger. We're we're pulling up with eight people, and it's and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, other people that don't have networks of like 30, 35 people that they can call on any time don't necessarily have that luxury kind of thing, right? But I think one of the solutions, and probably one of the next phases, I think of creative entrepreneurship is that you're gonna have these individuals that are part of or own bigger companies. They outsource stuff out, but they're just the spokesperson for it all the time. Yeah, right. And that kind of satisfies both things mm-hmm. and you can still have your personal social media you can still chris Howe does it really well he has his own media production company that he owns but his personal social media just speaks to that media production company and that media production company outsources other people to do things it's almost like extra content <laughs> yeah and, and you, exactly that, that's exactly it like now with algorithm based platforms you ha- like you have to put out so much content where you have to give a platform a way to explain who you are so they know who to show you to Mm-hmm. which is why I post so much stuff. If I do all the things that I see other people in the niche doing and I do a ton of it, at least that algorithm of whatever it is, is like, oh, okay, this person, he does photography, he does video, he mostly works with fitness brands. I'll show this to everybody that enjoys those things. Right. I'll show them, I'll show all of this fitness content to all of the brands and fitness influencers because they like it and he does that. So I'm just now connecting. All the, alg- all the algorithms, it seems like all working like that. We're like YouTube advice now is make a hundred dog crap videos about <laughs> like a couple particular topics. Keep consistent at that. So then at least YouTube's like, okay, I know this person talks about the Sony a7 III. He's a photographer. He lives in California. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can show that now to anybody that fits the categories that I just said. But if I haven't made much enough content to speak to that, then it makes it incredibly difficult for you to be seen. Because now what they're now what platforms are doing is they're putting you into certain boxes so they know who to hand that to. 
Yeah. Right? Where before you could just make anything because everybody saw it and it kind of figured its way out after that. Yeah. Now it's, no, you have to be a little bit more specific and at the very least very consistent. Where now it could say, okay, this is this type of person. This is what this person does. Everybody that outside of that person's profile that enjoys that, I can now give it to them instead. Yeah. I think I don't really spend a whole lot of... I, I try not to put too much energy into concerning myself with like algorithm and yeah. like, expo- like getting the maximum amount of reach i like like i de- it definitely shows because like my my engagement on everything <laughs> could definitely be yeah. a lot better but i like my philosophy on like the whole thing about algorithms because like a lot of people just like to complain about it because it's it's difficult but it's not really i mean when it comes to when it comes to being a content creator and having something that is an algorithm your goal is the same Ultimately, oh, yeah. your end go- your end goals they might not be the exact same, but they 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 can work harmoniously together. the 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 goal of an algorithm is to keep a user on an there, app, yeah. And your goal is to get your content to as many people as possible. So the algorithm relies on you to get to to have the right content to deliver to the amount of people that yeah. are on there and keep the people on there and keep them engaged. So it you know like people talk about like you know like tricking algorithms or like hacking algorithms, but like. You don't need to do that. I don't no. think like you, you, you can find a way to just, just focus on delivering a certain level of value and leaning into the things that you enjoy and the things that you have expertise in or, or, or even just, you know, like things that you want to, things that you want to make, things you genuinely want to make. Yeah. And, um, and then the algorithm takes that and pushes it to the, to the, to yeah. the right people. Now I kind of wonder the people that are, are disrupted with the algorithm. Is it because you could no longer have a career from just posting anything because no one's stopping from posting any type of content you want. No, no, no. one's saying you can't post about your dog and the coffee shop you went to yesterday and this camera filter that I really like. You, like, you could post all of that stuff. Instagram's not going to give you a ton of reach for it. You could still do it, though. Yeah. Now, our, but I would say, I guess, earlier stage when Instagram actually needed a lot of users to put out content, they would just give it to everybody. Is it now becoming a thing where they just put higher standards on what it takes to make a career out of it that people are upset about. I don't know. Like, and that's that, a good and, question. <laughs> and that's kind of, and I, and I, I was kind of toy with that question too. Cause a lot of times the commonality I hear people when like they're talking about algorithms and how it sucks and all this other stuff is yeah. On some level. Yes. Instagram is at the end of the day, it's a business there. Mm-hmm. You, you, you could post on there for free. Yeah. Right. Like no one, no one's asking you for money to post on Instagram. So he who has the house makes the rules. Right. Right. I can't go into your parents' house and be like, no, you have to change the rules of how you run your household. You're in my house and you're here for free. Mm-hmm. So the way that I look at Instagram, and I, and I think that's it's, it might be a controversial take, is that if I'm going to post on a social media platform I'm not paying for, I don't necessarily get to make the rules. I only get to play by them. Right. Right. And if you accept the charges when you <laughs> ex- you accept the terms and agreements when you start. Yeah, when you start. So if they're saying, hey, our new rule is post specifically so we know where to categorize you and give you to the other people. If they don't like what you put out, that's on you. Figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, figure out what your next strategy is. Move on from there. Because this is for free, but you get to make money. So we have to make this somewhat competitive. Right. Right? Or you can go to our paid platform and you could pay for that reach and that, that reach in, in, in If that's views. something you want to do. If that's something you want to do. That yeah. option's there for you. So I'm thinking now it's become, because it's a more competitive thing, it leans towards people that aren't necessarily inherently competitive people. So instead of saying like, okay, I'm going to just change up my game and, and figure it out from here, it's easier to kind of say, okay, well, something wrong with this algorithm. I have to, I have to hack it or I have to figure out a way to bend that rule or, or fix it to the way that I want to instead of just being like, no, the rules change, compete. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's when people that want entrepreneurial outcomes, 
right? Entrepreneurial outcomes requires entrepreneurial action, which is very competitive. Now, if you want something that's not entrepreneurial, then none of the none of anything I just said matters. Post whatever you want. Do do whatever you want. Treat Instagram exactly how your mom and dad treat it, where they don't want to grow on Instagram. They just want to share memories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to differentiate those two things. If you're posting on Instagram and you have you don't care about the numbers, then don't post whatever you want. But if you're saying, oh, you want your Instagram to grow, then you have to be a competitive person because you have to give people a re- like we were talking before. People have to get a reason to give a crap about you. And if you're mm-hmm. not giving them those reasons, unfortunately, you can't post about your dog. Why should I care about your dog specifically? As right? opposed to every other every dog other. you see on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Right. You have to be able to you have to be able to separate your mind from the idea that everything I put out is just supposed to get this reach, supposed to get this mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm going to be able to live this influencer <clears throat> life where you're almost prioritizing yourself before giving value to other people. Mm-hmm. In some way, shape, or form, and it can be some. It can be super small. It can be like, hey, I don't know, put your shoes on the right foot. Like, who knows, <laughs> right? Like, it can be something so small. But if you're prioritizing, I should be able to talk about myself and get paid for it all the time. Then you're missing an essential part of what separates people that are trying to grow Instagram and the people that are already there, because mm-hmm. they went personal life and wider, broader types of content last when. We'll reference kind of the filmmaking community when like the I guess the dope squad is what they call them, which is a weird name for a bunch of 30 year old men. Um, (laughs) When they when they were coming up, they were very targeted and very specific. Mm -hmm. They just talked about a certain camera. They just talked about certain lens. They just talked about a very specific pool of things up until they up until the point where the audience said, "Okay, I trust you to say anything now. Then you start seeing. Oh, Chris Howe has a cat that does ASMR. Yeah. Peter McKinnon has children, right? Like these people go to this store and this is what their apartment looks like. Up until that point, you didn't care. If they went out the gate with this is what my Toronto apartment looks like. Like, cool, we all live in Toronto. There's 1.2 million people here. So what? Yeah. Yeah. But if you go into it saying, let me provide as much value as possible all the time, as much as I can, realistically. And I'm not trying to say that as to everyone that's watching this go home and then stress yourself out and burn out because you want to make as much content to be competitive. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I'm just saying that when you do post things, just have those things in mind because you're, you're if you're trying to grow as a business or as an influencer or whatever, you have to be able to commit to giving out value in every way, shape, and form. That's selfless. Not because you think it's valuable, because you have listened to the people that are, are consuming. Mm. Right? If you say like, oh, this is my outfit of the day, but nobody asks you what you were wearing, you think it's valuable. You think you're giving out valuable information, but I don't care about your joggers you wore. From yeah, lemon. Yeah, there's something funny about like asking, answering a question that nobody asked, and then being bothered by the fact that nobody cares. <laughs> makes no sense. It makes no sense, right? So let me ask you this then. So you're obviously somebody like you. You obviously put a lot of thought into this, this kind of thing, and you obviously care a lot about, um, you know, several different facets of like whether it's, um, you know creating things that you genuinely enjoy making and you know offering value to people and offering you know like and growing businesses and also helping other you know solo entrepreneurs getting their start and whatnot um as somebody who's because you you make content for every one of those to, to every one of those ends um and so like how much how much of a balance is it for you of just like this is stuff that I feel like I should make versus stuff that I, or is it all stuff that you're just like, I, I, I want to make all of this. Does everything have a means to an end to you or is, or there's stuff that you make that's just, you just felt like making it. 
I think it's always it's always a like a 50-50. For example, like if I post cuz I like I started using DaVinci Resolve during the pandemic and I started liking color grading a lot. Um so if I find something that I like, I'll just put it up because and, and I'll put it up and before I do, I think about if I'm somebody that's new in the space, after I see that thing, like what would I want to hear after? So it's kind of both, right? Like you might put up something that is a little bit more of a vanity post. If you have a shot that looks really good or a grade that looks nice, you put that up because you're saying like, hey, look at this. Like I I, I do this. I did that. <laughs> yeah, right? You, you put those things up. I've done that. But at the, the back end or even at the front end of that, you still have to give some sort of value backwards because there's going to be people that – because the outright flashiness gets you in the door. It gets people to look and be like, oh, shit, like that guy just worked with Steve Cook? Cool. But then you read the <laughs> caption and then I explain like – this would have never happened if X, Y, and Z didn't happen. And this is what, like, imposter syndrome feels like. This is how it was graded. Here's me interviewing the guy that edited it, right? Like, there's multiple pieces of value that have to go with that thing. So it's not just me being like, hey, look at me. I did this. Because mm. I don't – because I, I think I like there's something I said, like, when I was really, really young. And it was um, I'd rather be useful more than famous. Oh, okay. Right? So if – you're a resource for things. Obviously, you get to do cool stuff. I've been like really like I've had a really lucky year of being able to do really cool shit from uh, from shooting and stuff like that and traveling and whatever. Um, I've been able to do that fairly uh, fairly often, and it's been cool. But um, and I was just watching a Peter McKinnon video, and he said like once you've felt like you've hit the top level of success, you have to send the elevator back down, hmm. right? But in so doing that, and even just have from a mental health perspective, I can't answer everybody on Instagram. And you get questions all the, and you probably have the same thing. People ask you what lens you should use, what lights, what studio, what all this stuff. Like they ask you so many things that you can't answer people individually. So what you have to do is that every time I get those questions, it's not like I don't read them. I just can't answer all of them particularly because I can't have thirty-seven conversations. You just make you find the stuff that you yourself are proud of that you want to put out there, even if it's something super small, and then you answer one of those questions there. So that way. If somebody really rocks with you and they're not just trying to talk your ear off or feel like they got to DM somebody that they feel like is somebody, you're answering some of those questions where you can always reference that back. Where someone just the other day was like, hey, uh, I like your color grading process. Like, you should have a tutorial. I'm like, oh, no, I already do. It's up there. Here's a link. Go check it out. Right? It's in that, in that way, for me, on one end, yeah, I feel if you get that little bit of a vanity rush where you're like, oh, yeah, I have a skill set that like somebody else might not have. But at the same time, let me teach someone how to do that thing. Now, there is a room, there is spacing for when you do one-on-ones and stuff like that. And that, unfortunately, not to say unfortunately, but realistically, I have to put a paywall behind. Because if you, it's like, it's like feeding the zoo, anim, zoo animals food, realistically. I don't like making that analogy. I wish I had a better one. <laughs> um, but when you kind of answer one question and you do one sort of take on gear or client work or, or shooting or whatever, you have to answer all of them. Mm. Because, and then inherently, like when I look at my DMs, and I, I have unanswered stuff now that I know I have. And I'm like, I know that I can't answer all of you. I have to figure out some sort of way to be able to do that. So I, have, I just started offering one-on-one coaching. Now, is it the most sophisticated thing in the world? No, but I do know that even during the pandemic, like really early on, especially around, around the time of like the, the protests and the George Floyd stuff, People were not only asking me camera questions, but they were asking me about like racial relations stuff and, and stuff like that. And it got so bad that I would wake up at six in the morning and I wouldn't be able to get out of bed till one thirty because you have to be answering so much stuff because mm. the conversation would just keep going and going and going right, and going. Right. So I'm like, I have to put something ahead of this to at least to, to mitigate it or at the very least, I, I can't be doing this every single day because when work picks up, I can't do it. So I just started putting a paywall behind stuff. Right. And that's not for me being that's not me just being like, oh, like I'm going to be an asshole and, and charge money. And I, I need I need a check every time you ask me a question. It's no, no, no. I have to be able to 
if I'm going to take a lot of time away from work, I have to be able to quantify that somehow because we all have the same 24 hours, right? I have to be able to say, okay, if I'm going to not do the thing I'm supposed to be doing, I have to make that up somehow because if I do this every single day, you're going to go broke. Mm. Um, you're going to go broke and you're going to burn out. So you have to be able to find some sort of way uh, to divvy that, those things up. Um, that being said, speaking to all types of creators and making content for stuff, realistically, it's a, it's a, especially on like Instagram or YouTube or those platforms where you go there for information, you can still post things that you're really proud of or something that you're, um, something that's a little bit more of a vain post, I guess, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to think about if I'm somebody that looks up to you, what kind of things would I want to hear while after I see that? And I try to do that. I'm getting a little. I'm getting. I think I'm. I think I'm doing a pretty okay job about it. Um, but when I post something like a, a shot that I like or a shoot that I did that was cool, I, I try to attach something where somebody new or even somebody that's veteran can look at it and be like, "Oh, that, gave, that person gave some form of information." So instead of me doing, "Hey, look at me do this," it's more, "Hey, look at me do this." This is how you can do it too. Mm. Or this is the things I thought about when you did when you go into that space, right? And you become a lot more useful in that way. And I would rather that than I'd rather have. 15,000 Instagram followers, but everybody's like, hey, everyone tells their friends, hey, if you need useful information, go to that guy. Then I have 150,000 subscribers or followers, whatever. And people say, hey, he gets to do cool stuff. And mm. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot to what you just said. I mean, like, especially even just because, I mean, you're saying that, like, a lot, um, a lot of, like, clients who would reach out to you as, like, you know, traditional, like, contract yeah. people that would contract you for, for what you do. Um, they're not necessarily just going through your portfolio and saying, yeah, this guy looks like he has good stuff and then reaching out to hire you. They, like where you, where you might get somebody is in the way that you show how you did it. Yeah. And because that's going to be the thing that's going to separate that. Not just showing that like you did the thing, but you, you had a process. Yeah. And that's going to be, that could be one thing that puts you over. So, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, how, 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 like I kind of I, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, because you are you are making stuff f um, for other creators essentially, but they they are also serving your own ends at the same time. But it seems like a lot of the stuff for you was it, it, it seems like a lot of it was sort of responsive. Like how much? Because when when you started, I'm sure you didn't imagine yourself. <laughs> no, uh, you and you were in this group chat too, where we're like we made a group chat about like a lot of creators are just around the area. And we were like, oh, like it'd be really cool if I got to work for like this company or that company yeah. or I got to be in this space or whatever. Fast forward three years and literally every single person is in that space. All of that has happened. Like all of that <laughs> has happened. And now you're like, it's to the point now where it's happened and we're like, oh, now what? Like we already did. We, we worked the gigs with the companies we said we were going to. Yeah. Like now what, now what do we do? Um, but in terms of thinking about like where you would be, truthfully not. I Like I really didn't think. A lot of things would have. I, I didn't think it would happen in a pandemic, much less too, because I think the the growth was exponential when everything mm. locked down. We're like much larger, like companies I didn't expect to say like, "Hey, uh, we would like your stuff." Like we're like, "What do you what do you say about a phone call, or whatever?" Um, I didn't think any of that was going to happen. Excuse me, I didn't think anything was going to happen in a pandemic. I thought generally uh, you were going to operate kind of like in your year one for a while up until things opened up, maybe slowly go back up and stuff like that, and, and it would and we got kind of go from there. Um, but I also think that the way that the world is working now is that the demand for content has gotten so high, everyone needs stuff. Everyone wants a reel. Everybody wants a video. Everybody needs photo sets. Everybody mm -hmm. needs a website. Every, like, everybody needs so much stuff, um, which I attribute to being able to post all the time. Because people are like, okay, well, who's posting? 
or who's making the most amount of content that speaks to as much of the stuff that I need. Oh, there's this dude that has been posting three times a day for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, definitely that guy. Like I'm going to go there instead. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's weird. Um, the companies you do get approached by, but I do say that now that you've done it already, a lot of your nervousness and a lot of even just your mental blocks around whether or not you are ready or good enough to work for them completely gone. So how much of it was for you, like specifically, was it like, because it seems like you had like a, kind of an idea of the shape of like a, of like the, a vision, let's say, of, yeah. like what you, of where you wanted to be eventually, but it's not like you had an exact step-by-step. Step. A lot of it was kind of just, um, you know, put stuff out there or, you know, put some certain things into action, see how it, see how it lands, sit with it for a while and then adapt and respond. It seems like that kind of was the path for you. How much of it was like, how much of it was kind of just like, um, respond and adapt versus like an actual, like, did you, like, did you have like an actual, like step-by-step I'm, I'm going to get here and this is how I'm going to do it. Or was it all just by being flexible? Threw it up, threw threw it up. And it it goes back to that lottery thing, right? Like if you throw it up as many times as you possibly can, someone is going to see it. Someone is going to know somebody that's going to know somebody that's going to see it. Um, so what I would do is instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to like, I want to work with this company in this space. I just played the game of supply and demand. I made things incredibly accessible, posted a ton of content, said yes to everything. Every time I got like to a point where just before I'm like, I'm going to burn out. I'm like, okay, cool. Restrict capacity, raise your prices, rinse, repeat, make it accessible under a new bracket, make it widely accessible, change your parameters a little bit and how you're going to like in your offering. Uh, once you get a little, like once you're really close to burning out again, raise your price point, raise your expectations. People will drop and people will drop off, right? People like you probably have the same thing. The guys that they paid you 150 bucks in 2018. Sorry. Don't even, <laughs> don't even talk to you now. They don't even look no. at you that same way. No. Um, and certifiably the people that are directors that are doing like $20,000 projects, the people that they paid, they got paid like 1500 bucks. Don't talk to them either. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just part of that process where every time you, you, you set your standards a little bit higher you make it accessible to everybody that can meet that standard. When you feel like you're at your capacity, you restrict, raise expectations, reoffer, mm-hmm. right? And some people go up with you and some people don't. What ends up happening is that you find this balance and I'm, and I'm really, really close to it now. And I think it comes down to me, this might be like the last year, or maybe one of the last times that I'm gonna be like, no, I'm not taking anything on more than this capacity of how many days at this base rate of what I'm gonna do. Um, but you'll get to a point where you hit a certain amount of time where you're working enough that you still feel like you're paying your bills and you still feel like you're active, you're still practicing, you're still using in a real life situation that might not be your own social content or YouTube or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you're paying your bills and you're not burning out, mm-hmm. right? Because I would say that that 2000, like that late 2018, 19, 20, even a parts of 21, when you're shooting like every other day or 17 days in a month or 22 days in a month, or like there was one point uh, when I first started, I shot for six months straight. So that's like 190 something days. You you don't even want to look at your camera. You don't want to look at anything, mm. right? But I do know that if I hadn't done that back then, that I wouldn't feel like shooting twice a week now is nothing, mm. right? And I wouldn't be able to have you wouldn't be able to have that type of production later on. Um, but yeah, no. In terms of how that all went, I just I honestly just made an excuse to work all the time, threw it up, and then just went under the the, the pretense of if you see it, you might make a decision. So just, I'm just going to make sure you see it all the time. Just being the creative Bruce Lee, be like water. Yeah. Just fit well, every. It, and I think it's, again, it just it really goes back to these social platforms. Unfortunately, they cater to people that post tons of content consistently mm. all the time. So you have to find a way where you can show up 
if it's even a small scale, if it's, it could be a crazy small scale or it could be a giant scale, but you have to be able to show up at some scale. And they're willing to reward you by showing you to more people. And that's if, again, if you're trying to make this into a business, that's kind of the situation that you want. So what I would recommend then too, is if you do have a shoot or you do have some sort of engagement, try to think of like six to 10 ways that you can chop that up into smaller pieces and share that for the rest of the world. They don't need to see the finish. They don't need to see all of it. Right. Maybe you graded a clip that looks good. Maybe you got like really good shot coverage on a shoot and you had a medium wide and tight that looks consistent that you want to talk about the importance of shot coverage. Maybe there's a new piece of gear that you used. Right. And then you can just say like, hey, I use this lens for this photo shoot. This is what happened. Yeah. That's TikTok and Instagram reels now. Right. They're just doing it in smaller versions, but that's always existed. Yeah. God, just even just listening to you talk about this stuff stresses me out. <laughs> and, like, and I think you know what? It's so, I think it's so heavy on like that because you get it all at once. And I think that's a big part of like when I have these type of podcast conversations that I got the the luxury of spending the first couple months in the pandemic digesting this slowly. Where a lot of times uh, people hear podcasts like this, they got all that information in like forty five minutes. Yeah, it's been forty five minutes. How many so, words have we said? That's so much information. <laughs> To it's hear lot, in, yeah. I digested like that. That forty-five minutes took me three and a half months, mm-hmm. mind you. We couldn't go outside, so that was all you got to digest. So I would literally, I would literally on a regular basis, like go and like make a playlist of YouTube channels I wanted to watch in terms of creative business and shooting and stuff like that. I would just leave them on, put my computer in the back of my room, and I would just sit there and watch them because I couldn't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So for like for like three and a half months, that's that's all I did. So I'm like, oh shit! Of course you're gonna absorb all that information, be able to apply it. You spent legitimately like hundreds of thousands of times more time listening to it, listening to it again, and then trying to put it into practice, and then rinsing and repeating. You spent so much time doing it, right? So, yeah, there's a lot of information, right? But that doesn't mean necessarily you have to implement all of it now. It's the same thing with fitness, right? We like there's been a couple of trainers and people in the industry, people in general that are on that space. They all don't tell you you got to go and start throwing an hour of cardio in, working out twice a day, and and diet to nothing on day one, mm-hmm. you'll you'll dissolve. But if you say like, hey, you know what, tomorrow, I'm gonna look at my price rate and how much that I'm shooting, and I'm gonna do a really good evaluation if I'm shooting too much or I'm shooting too little, and what things I'm gonna do to make those up. That's it, that's, that's the only thing you have to do tomorrow. Mm. And then the next, maybe the next week, you're like, hey, you know what, I'm only posting a reel every 10 days. I'm gonna try to make it seven, right? Mm, or, maybe, or maybe I do have some content lying around. Let me see what I can make out of that. Because mm-hmm. I, because I, I, maybe I'm not working as much, and I need to do something. I mean, like, let's, let me take a day, and maybe, maybe like, let me make two or three Instagram reels, and see, and see what, and post them, see what the response is, and double down the ones that are good, and then so, rinse. So let me ask you this then, because you're talking a lot about like, you know, like spending hours and hours and hours. Granted, even even in the confines of a pandemic, just sitting at home, um, just consuming consuming content and learning, and then you know, like, and then when pandemic is over and you are working again, creating. Um, not just one piece specifically for the thing that you were contracted for, but finding ways to extend that yeah. to then <clears throat> to then extend to your own uh, brand, which then gets you more work. And, and extend. but like, at what point do you like? <laughs> at what point do you like take a break from this? Or like, what do you? Uh, or even like, because like for a lot of us who are who are doing yeah. what we do, started out doing it for fun, yeah. and you know, like a lot of people lose the fun in it as it becomes more and more work and less fun. Um, but for you, it's just like, you, it seems like you just did more and more and more. And then it became so much and all of it became work. And like, ha, like, do, do you, do you have to find time to, to, to make downtime for yourself to do things that are for fun? Or do you just have to find fun in what you're doing? Uh, both. So I'm not the best person at work-life balance and I'm completely aware. It of doesn't that. sound like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm completely aware of that. Now 
I've never actually had like an actual breakdown, but I've woken up and been like, I don't feel like doing this today. That is what happens. Um, that is what happens. And when that ends up happening, so, like sometimes I'll be able to take a break. And, some, and sometimes I only need a day or so. And then I can kind of, I can go back in. And, like, and that's the thing too, when I, because I did a stupid amount of volume when I started. Like you, you remember, I posted like, I was posting like finished videos and photo sets and stories every day for every like, day. A, like almost a year. I was I was blown away every day, <laughs> and now even like, like comparatively to now, it's still working a lot, but it's way less than la- like the, those first couple of years. So it was much easier for it's like it's easier to navigate. Be like, okay, how many days do I need to like kind of stick this last little bit out? Okay, I need like 24, 48 hours. Okay, I could I could figure that out. Um, that I started just making content that I like. It feels like a vacation, hmm. right? So if I want to like if today if it doesn't rain, I'm like I'm like okay, I'm gonna go on a photo walk. I don't have to post anything about it, right? But I'm gonna go on a photo walk and just see how it goes. Um, and during the pandemic, I did that on a, I used to wake up at like five in the morning, take the train downtown, uh, get there right before sunrise, do a photo walk for like an hour, hour and a half, go back home, take a nap, watch some videos, go the rest of my day. And eventually when I started sharing them a little bit, I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I just want to, I don't, I don't even, there's no ends means to this. I just wanted to share it just cause I thought it was fun. Um, I actually started selling prints I and remember I was like, that, this yeah. is, and I'm like, oh, this is super fun. Like I could go outside, I can go and take photos of the place that I live in. People are saying like, Hey, I want to, I want to buy a $200 print of that. Oh, cool. Like everybody loves, everybody loves good. Like, especially like people from Toronto. Maybe this is just people that I know, but like everybody loves good Toronto memorabilia, Toronto artwork, yeah. something that's going to be representative mm-hmm. of your city. And then if you can have the added bonus of like, Hey, my, my yeah. friend did this. And I yeah. think the back to the resting part is now I'm getting to a point where, and I think where the first three years of me working was trying to find out where failure was. Like when you go to the gym, like if you go to a gym with like a personal trainer or something like that, they'll make oh. you do an exercise. They'll find out like where do you hit a wall or you can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and my first like couple of years was me figuring out where that wall is, right? Because a lot of people right. might, if you don't figure out where that wall is, you'll stop yourself short. Mm. And then you'll be upset at the lack of result. Okay. So okay. if I find out where that wall is and I play behind that wall, for me now I'm starting to realize like I can't shoot more than three days a week. Mm. Where before, like in the summertime, I was doing like 17 to 23 which is far more than three times a week. That's like four. That's like four or five sometimes yeah. where I realize I'm like, okay, well, I've already, like I, the only reason I did that is like I already bought the camera gear I need. I'm going to mm-hmm. rent the rest. Just get a really good insurance plan so you could rent from any of the rental houses. It still costs you a little bit of money, but it's not going to cost you thousands of dollars. You don't need that extra revenue. I, I can lower my expectations a little bit because I don't need it. Um, and I could shoot less days and I can be very, like in, in the spirit of shooting less days, I can be more specific on the jobs I take on and technically, or not even technically, literally, a lot of those jobs you take on pay you more than if you were working more days. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. might work sure. $500 gigs 20 days in a month. Yeah, that's 10, that's 10 Gs. That's great. But I could also work 10 days at $1,000. I could work eight days at 1200 I could work six days at fifteen. And then all like now the problem with that or the, the challenge with that is the onus is on you to make something of value that's that amount of money yeah. that you can make as many people that have that amount of money see and make a decision on. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, I want to get to a point where I only shoot six, seven days in a month. Like, that'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to do that maybe you want to make? And, say, and you can make up a random number. I just use those because they're solid numbers. Say you want to shoot $1,500 uh, six days a month. That's $9,000. So that's really good money for anybody, really realistically. Um, how do I provide a service that's $1,500 that is in the confines of how much my working capacity is that I can offer to as many people as possible, mm. which means that, and this is what I'm kind of, I'm toying with the idea of doing this. I haven't really made a decision, but I want a struggle month. 
hear me out. Okay. So a struggle <laughs> month is where, against my better judgment, I'm going to take on far less gigs. I might only keep 20%. Okay. The rest of that month or six weeks or whatever that time of your struggle month is, I have to make spec work. I have to make proof of concept work that I can go and pitch to those $1,500 to $2,000 clients with. Mm, okay. Right? Because right now, especially because I've worked so much, everything I've done is client work. So in terms of creative control and stuff like that and be able to really flex your skills, I don't have that because you're always within the confines of what a client wants. Right. Right. So a lot of times you're doing these client gigs, people like, oh, that looks super good. Like, I want that, too. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, if I had the resources that I wanted to and the the amount of directive that I wanted to do with this, this would have looked way better. But you're under that that roof, that umbrella, you're under that ceiling. Mm -hmm. Right. Because maybe it doesn't align with that person's brand or what what they're trying to do. And because they're paying you, you have to you have to relinquish that. You have to give that up and accept it. So my idea is you take six weeks, maybe maybe it's, at least it's a good month of shooting. In Canada, it's kind of hard because we pretty much, end of September, it's too cold to go outside. But pretty at some much. point, <laughs> you take a couple weeks, if not a month, and you get just enough gigs to get your bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Cancel everything else. Don't make profit. Don't, make, don't be in the green. Be in the yellow. The rest of the time that you have, you can go and invest in making, maybe, maybe making YouTube content. Maybe making Instagram real content. It's like something else that you can use to generate another source of income so that you don't have to do the 17 shoot days a month ever again. Right, right. So that's where I'm thinking like, hey, maybe that's a good experiment to do. My expectations, my financial expectations aren't very high. I live by myself. Yeah, my condo is expensive. I don't need extra camera gear. And realistically, the only things I pay for are stuff for the business, which is literally all my subscription services that I have. Like that's in food. That's it. Those are only like the five or six things that I pay for. so as long as I satisfy those, do I need to take the extra job? Although I know I'm going to be burnt out at the end of the day and then I'm going to have like terrible stress or you're going to have crazy COVID weight gain, which I think my thing is just stress now at this point. I can now say, oh, you know what? I'm going to take like that that back. And then you actually get to make stuff for yourself, which doesn't feel as tiresome. You don't, you don't burn out. You won't burn out as easily when it's for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then those things that you make are for you are generally speaking going to be your better looking things, your better produced stuff. That when you put that out into the world, now people see this new level that you've kind of achieved. And hopefully what ends up happening at the end of that is that higher value clients are like, hey, I saw that boxing mini doc that you just did. <laughs> That's like three, four minutes long. Hey, uh, I'm Everlast. Uh, we'll give you $3,000 for that. How's that sound? And I'm sitting here being like, I didn't want any money from this. I just want to make something for myself, but I'll take it. Yeah. Right, and now you've now closed that gap a little bit, and now you might only have to work that one job. That's granted that you don't have high financial expectations past the amount that you agreed on the beginning, and then you kind of now reach that new level. Now you're thinking, hey, you know what? Instead of doing that six jobs at fifteen hundred bucks or whatever, now I only have to do three at three thousand. Mm-hmm. I already got one guy. Now I just have to get the other two. Right, it makes it way easier, right? So now what I'm doing is I'm trying to essentially, in the last couple of years, is earn the rest. Mm-hmm is earning the rest and I, I don't recommend that for everybody i don't recommend everybody go out and shoot till you're burnt out find <laughs> yeah. out where that wall is have an emotional breakdown and then like decide okay maybe i'm gonna like no it's not that's not a recommendation but um my big philosophy especially from like a training background playing football and stuff is like finding out where that wall is mm-hmm. and then knowing where to, and then knowing where that pullback point of where that wall is and for me i've realized up until this point that is a maximum like a maximum of three days a week is where I have to go out physically on set to do anything, mm-hmm. right? I wish in, a, in an ideal world it'd be six to seven days, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you only have so much. You can only do what you can do. And, and if, uh, unfortunately, that is the path of a lot of p- 
people who are doing anything that has no prescribed path to it mm-hmm. where you know you, you are forging your own path forward is that there is no there is no handbook on how to do it so there's no there's nobody telling you what's too much and what's not enough yeah. and you know like there's nobody telling you hey this is what you should expect because there is no there 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 is yeah. no blueprint for how to do that so <clears throat> so what people end up doing is exactly what you said which is just push the limit push the limit push the limit until you find it because that's one of the only ways that you can find it is by pushing it um but then you end up in you end up with a lot of problems of like burnout it's happened to pretty much every creative that I've talked to <laughs> I've yeah. done whole podcasts on on burnout it just it, it's it's what happens but you know like as much as you you want to say that you, you don't want people to do that Sometimes, you know, like you, you push the limit, but you, you need to you need to also really be self-reflexive yeah. in, in, in that exercise. I also find that if and this is this is my business hat talking. This is the, the kid that graduated the commerce degree. Play the supply. Yeah, people, a lot of people don't know that. huh? Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I graduated <laughs> from like financial. Like, like I like for most people that are like new into this. I didn't start as a content creator. Like I worked for a bank. I graduated like with like pretty decent marks from a business school mm-hmm. in financial economics. So. Uh, if you ever, some people are like, oh, this guy's like a giant, like this, you think, oh, yeah, no, it's, I, that's literally it's what programmed in the and literally your fir- <laughs> like your first two years of like university economics basically will dictate how you could function as a creative business person. Mm-hmm. So most people say like, oh, you don't need a university. I tend to agree with that on some level, but I will say everybody needs to go and take a business course because that will drive, it'll dramatically change how you do things, especially new creators that are getting into this game. Cause it's yeah. very easy to get taken advantage of and rinsed if you don't understand some of the ways that like even just supply and demand works. Mm. Um, but what I'm going to say is the objective thing to do is to play the supply and demand game. If your demand is super high, then just restrict the supply and make the price higher. Mm-hmm. It's super simple. It can be 10%, 20%. Yeah. yeah. Will you have some client drop-offs? Absolutely. Of course, You're supposed to. Like part of your creative career, unless you want to be the person that's going to be the photographer, cinematographer, producer, editor, color, you're going to wear all those hats and you want to wear that till what, you're 60? Yeah, of course. Okay, stay, stay at the same same rate. But if you're finding that you're shooting so much that you're burning out, if you're going to burn out, at least get your money's worth. It's true. If I'm going to be completely honest, like if you're going to burn out and feel exhausted, at least get paid because nothing's worse than being exhausted and also not having your rent paid. Nothing's worse. Yeah, right? True. So yeah. well, every time I got burnt out or like you know, we were in the group chat at the same time, like I've ra- I raised my rates ridiculously from three years, like from three years ago to now. It's they're not the same person at all, and I would also argue that it's not the same service anymore. It's not the same service, yeah. So the exactly the warranting right. of being able to do that, and it's not the same service by virtue of the fact that so many people want it. Mm. So if I say I only want to shoot ten days out of a month, and I'm doing fifteen, raise it by that interval and see what happens. Now you also have some bargaining power too, right? You can say, hey, you know what? It's going to cost twelve hundred dollars for this shoot, and they're like, no, we don't have twelve hundred bucks. We have nine. All right, cool. Let's make up that three hundred dollars value somewhere else. Because the way that money works is money is just a way to equate value. And I, I heard that somewhere before. I think I stole that from Chris Doe. So don't quote <laughs> me on that. Saying that that's the original thing I said. But money equates value, mm-hmm. right? So it's a placeholder for value. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing with with that though is that if someone comes if I come to you and I say like, hey man, uh, I'm gonna recommend you to all my friends or whatever, whatever. Your onus on me now, if you're not going to give me cash, is that you have to explain how that is going to be a value of the money you're not giving me. Right. Which is the reason why a lot of times when I ask that to a lot of, especially like, unfortunately, influencers and artists, it goes silent because they'll say it and they think it's almost like a coupon code. Right. Right. They don't actually, <laughs> when people come up to you, and, that, and that's the reason why sometimes a lot of people that are getting an influencer game don't do well, is because they think the value is just saying the sentence. You still have to articulate on that. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to pay for, like, if I'm an athleisure company and you want free clothes from me, 
and you don't want to pay for it, you got to tell me how you're going to make up that value in terms of how that's going to be. And saying I'm going to recommend it to my other friends that also don't have money isn't a way of doing that, mm. right? For the same reason why um, even when I work with brands and stuff like that and they're like, hey, we don't necessarily have the budget you're looking for. Cool, we'll equate the value this way. Pay for my BTS guy. I'm going to make some educational content out of this. Mm. You'll still get what you want. But I know that when I eventually open up a course that I'm going to charge money for, I'll make that on the back end. And this is going to be a job shadow. Mm-hmm. So that way everybody wins. Everybody's happy. Right. Now the company gets the content that they want. I get stuff I get to post on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever the case might be. And you also get to put on one of your friends that's going to, at, at some point, if this becomes a regular situation, always have a gig. There's three people now that are super happy and everybody got the equation of value kind of put in there. But that being said, if you are shooting way too much, just raise your prices, dude. It's what's what's the extra ten percent? Mm. And if you if you, if you lose, there's no way. And I, I challenge somebody that raises their price by ten to fifteen percent every time they feel overwhelmed. That everyone just leaves. Mm. Ridiculous. If you're shooting at three hundred bucks now, and somebody doesn't want to spend thirty dollars, <laughs> you don't want that person. You don't want that that's person. That's probably not your. That's yeah. not your client. If thirty bucks. He's gonna have thirty yeah. to fifty dollars for the service that you're providing that you've practiced on, you've gotten better at, mm-hmm. and there's a diff it's certifiably a different service now because of the years of experience you put in. Yeah. If thirty to fifty bucks is a thing that makes them jump ship, then you're you're working with a price buyer and that's not a long term client. You're only there until they find something new and shiny to go and play with later. Mm. There you did hit on a really important thing though, is like um when you talk about just like, because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of content out there and a lot of people talking about like, yeah, you just gotta raise your price or raise your prices. But <clears throat> a really important caveat of that is that you need to also, when you raise a price, you also need to justify it in the value that you deliver, which is a major gap that a lot of new creators don't have. They, and I think what ends up happening, and this is the, I guess the dark side of educational content on social media mm-hmm. is that you only listen to the first sentence of what they said. Yeah. And you don't read the rest. <laughs> so when you say, Hey, you need to raise your prices to adjust for demand. Most people just arbitrarily raise their prices and offer nothing else. that's new. Mm-hmm. That's a giant mistake. Yeah. You still because at some level, and that's and that's the reason why I've been able to keep a lot of clients as I've raised prices, where I just offered something new, and it and it could be something as here's an extra couple edits. Yeah. Hey, you know we're gonna use fancier locations. But you also talked about like clients being price buyers. If you raise your price, offer no more value. How are you different, right? It's the exact same. It's the it's the flip side of the exact same coin. Yeah. So you need to you can you know by all means if you're if you're getting overwhelmed if you are um, if you are heavily in demand and you feel that you are justified in a price raise uh, price raise you you also need to make sure that as you're doing that that you are continually striving to be better because if you're just raising your prices and then offering nothing more then you're essentially doing nothing more than the people that are just price buying and how many people do we know in our industry that have come and gone from doing that exact same mistake yeah because you have no you'll have no longevity because you'll find somebody because eventually other people will catch up to you in terms of um in terms of their demand but they might be offering more value that you haven't been. And so then when they catch up to you, all of a sudden there's no incentive for a client of yours to jump ship and go to that person. Like let's put the, like and I'll put it in perspective and I'll be objective about it. There was a time where photographers didn't have to do video. Right. When we, when we first started and we had reached out to a couple of them to work with them to do video, mm-hmm. we all got ignored. Where are they now? Mm-hmm. They kept the prices up. <laughs> We're not going to name anybody. No, not, not at all. <laughs> they kept the prices up. They didn't offer any new service or value. And now we haven't heard from them anymore. Yeah. Because the value prop didn't make any sense anymore. Because our demand went up because we were almost we were technically two sport athletes, which made it more valuable. And it costed around the same, if not a little bit less. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is when you keep things up and you don't 
compete. And again, it goes right back. Again, entrepreneurial outcomes need entrepreneurial actions. If you see new guys come up in the game, if someone, if I start seeing people that specifically do Instagram real content, I'm getting a vertical camera rig real quick <laughs> because I'm going to compete in, in that game because I'm not going to be the one caught lack. I'm not going to be the older heads that now don't really have active businesses that thought that vertical content's a fad and it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? You always have to be open to the new, to the new thing. Absolutely. And you don't have to buy into everything, but you at least have to be open to it. You got to try it. You, you got to try it a little bit and, and yeah. make a concrete decision. You can't just look at it and be like, oh, this is stupid. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you, you got to get your hands a little bit dirty. Right? I, I'm, I'm fully willing to admit when I, I was fully of the mind, the vertical content would never stick. Here's, I was a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I, I looked at vertical content the same way that we looked at Facebook when it first started. Mm. Right. Or the same way that Facebook turned out to be mm -hmm. the same way Instagram turned out to be where vertical content came out. And I still think it's full of really cringy content. That's not like that probably won't last. Mm -hmm. The way that you do vertical content is probably not going to last. Right. The vertical content is here. Not is not going. And what I mean by that is vertical like reels, uh, stories and all that other stuff wasn't go and make stupid dance moves and be super cringy. It was just a set of rules and whatever you did with yeah. it was your prerogative. Mm -hmm. If I'm a platform and I say, Hey, you know what? We want you to make vertical content because everyone's using their phone. You can make this in 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, whatever the case might be. That's it. We will add some music that because we have the right, like we have either the legal capability for you to be able to use this music and it might enhance your outcomes. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Now, what everyone did with that information is they started pointing at random stuff with <laughs> captions. They started dancing. That like people that people that were not funny started making jokes. People that couldn't dance started dancing. People that were directionally challenged started pointing at stuff in, in midair, <laughs> and it got really weird. And everyone that's why and that's why there's such a weird uh, knee jerk reaction to avoid vertical content because everybody thinks you have to be one of those like three to five really weird ways of doing things, which yeah. is the same way that we looked at Instagram as a place to pick, like post pictures of food and your cat. Right now, it's the largest advertising platform in the world. But let's also say that if you are somebody who just likes to make that kind of stuff, we're not oh, judging you. Yeah, yeah, go you. for it. Yeah, no. If go. you like to make that stuff, yeah, go for it. I just don't it. think you have to do that. You don't have I, I don't, to. Yeah, I don't that's, think that's, when you post a reel, you have to do that format. Yeah, you have to. You don't have to follow a trend. You don't have to do. But if you if you just if that stuff is funny or fun to you, Kevin's playing good cop for me right now. I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was like, get canceled for that. Um, if you love, it, like, I'm just all for people doing what they like doing. Absolutely. If that's what you like doing, I'm here for it. Yes, and I feel like if you're somebody that that's not your personality, you also don't have to go out of your way to try to make it that so, mm -hmm. right? Which is a lot of times I hear, even when I work with like businesses, they're like, oh, like I can't dance and I'm not funny. I'm like, well, why just make Then don't do those things. Don't do them then. Like yeah. maybe someone does need to teach you how to Dougie. Like who knows? <laughs> like, you know I mean? um, but anyways, what I think that those things are is a set of rules now where you just have to make content based on the parameters that they give you, yeah. which is why you can take a podcast and you can chop it up into 15 second reels or whatever. Maybe you can put animations in or captions, whatever you want to do. And that's a successful reel. You can make success from doing that. There, I think the best, I think the highest looking reel that I have, there's two types of reels that, I, that do the best for me. It's one where I literally, I don't even set a mic up like this. I literally take the XLR mic off my camera, leave it hooked <laughs> up, that. and I sit in my room and I talk into it. Yeah. And people will chirp like me like, oh, get a bigger, like, why don't you get a bigger microphone? I'm like, the microphone stays. I'm doing whatever <laughs> I want to do. Because now it's like, it's, it's almost like a character now. Yeah. Right. And the other thing is behind the scenes content where I don't even have to post it before and after. It literally like I, I think there's one TikTok I had and it's like I think it's like two hundred and ninety five thousand views, something ridiculous. And it's literally me shooting. This is like before the Arnold Classic, like a week before the lockdown happened. And it's literally just me walking forward with a gimbal in hand and yeah. a model sitting on the floor. It was just walk in, walk out. That's it. 
I'm like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, if that's all you need to do for vertical social content to do well, mind you, were they probably testing it to see viewers or whatever? Absolutely, probably. But it also takes a lot of the edge off of being like, okay, well, I guess I have to go and dance in my living room and point at <laughs> random camera things. I can now say, if that's not my personality, then all I have to do is just make smaller chunks of content shot vertically or formatted vertically and put it up. And then just, again, to the point we're making before, post a bunch of it, see what works, double down on what works, and then scrap what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then your stress is gone. You don't have to make 10 different types of content if only three of them work. Yeah, they're just opening different avenues for you. They're trying, like, I honestly think that a lot of the social platforms aren't working against you. They're trying their best to actually give you money. Yeah, that's what their their function, the, primary function is designed to be. if you make money, they make money. Exactly, yeah. So what they're trying to say is you put more stuff out and put more good stuff out because we'll give you, mind you, I'm going to be a multi-trillion dollar conglomerate in some, a couple of years. So giving you, 800 <laughs> yeah. bucks, giving you $800 a month is nothing to me. Yeah. But hey, make good content. Yeah. It's just, like I said, they're just offering you different avenues. Whether or not you take them is up to you. Yeah. But they are there. Other people are going to take them. And, you know, there is a possibility, not that you're doing anything wrong particularly, but it's just you can get left behind that way. Yeah. It's possible. It's not going, it's not predetermined that it's going to happen. Like, if I don't start posting on Reels, my business is going under. It's just, you know, that that's a new avenue that some people might be taking. It's the same thing with, like, professional athletes. 15 years ago <clears throat> wouldn't hold a candle to the guys in the NFL right now. Yeah, that's true. When they're, they're much Every, bigger. A lot of sports like that. I just watched a dude that's like 310 pounds run a sub 540. Is. That is unheard <laughs> of. You would never hear that in the in the 90s. Yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. Like a sub 540 mile? No, sub, sub uh, five second 40 yard dash. Oh, okay, like okay. Everyone, I was going to say like, five, four, that's the, fucking the fast. Standard, the, standard, <laughs> the standard in everything because of competition is getting so much higher. And the ability to because those people that came before you it's easier for your entry point to be so much farther like for example if youtube didn't exist we wouldn't know a lot of the things we knew now it's true from yeah. from a creative perspective yeah and now there's people that learn what we learned now and that's their entry point <laughs> yeah i know i know people that's first cameras is an a7s3 that shoots in 4k <laughs> like that that that, that that file type didn't exist yeah in 2019 yeah, the month one people now would shit on one year version of me. <laughs> like it does. Like I know, I know guys that are like saying like, "Oh, can you critique my video? It's my second one." And I'm like, "Why does this look like me? Like eleven months in?" Yeah, it's crazy. No, I'm not answering your question, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it one hundred. I'm like, I'm not answering none of your stuff. I'm not trying to make you have the next Transformers movie on my on my on my information. <laughs> I'm just playing. But like that's a, that's the, that's the way that things are going now. Yeah. Now here's where. Um, I'll give some free game and something that I, I really want to work on is knowing that your obsolescence is planned. Mm-hmm. Be the uh, be paid to be the educator. Mm. So I know eventually some young. I'm going to turn like 36, 37. I'm going to my back's going to be broken from shooting <laughs> handheld giant rigs for too much. Yeah, because uh, I never use an easy rig and I, I don't have spinal cord health because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, eventually someone, some young buck is going to come through in this industry, say hold this kick me in the face with it and he's gonna beat me out i know it's gonna happen here's the thing i just have to make sure that i'm either the person that educates them and he takes my course or whatever the case might be or i'm mentoring i mean i'm a paid mentor or anything like that just be the educator now why Mm. you don't have to physically football players don't always have to play they can coach yeah why why i don't have to be here for a long i can be here for a good time not a long time (laughs) and things with now the inception of digital products and courses and stuff like that the first of all, the margins are great. It's a lot of work, but the margins are insane because it's a digital product. 
Mm-hmm. It's a series of videos that you've already made. You don't have to do much more maintenance to it. It might be a little customer service. Overhead it, virtually zero. Almost. I mean, the overhead, like, after you've made the course, rented out a studio, maybe had somebody edit it for you and all the other stuff, that's already done. That well, the, ma- the maintenance overhead is... Yeah, the maintenance overhead is, is almost nothing. Yeah. But you're going to make these courses because now if I'm a new guy coming in, because you're kind of, you kind of function as that older head, authoritarian figure that's worked with all these brands that now the young buck wants to put, like, to, to come and work for, has somewhat of the skill set to make it over there, values the information you have because they're looking up to you as somebody that uh, the platform that they want to get to or exceed. Now they're saying, you know what, I think it's worth the investment for me to buy that course and to learn more outside of myself. You don't have to work as hard to try to compete with these younger guys anymore. And your overall kind of maintenance of doing so is super low after you've already made the content already. Mm. Right? Where that's and it's and it's so crazy how that world has changed where if you are gonna get beat on competition, don't try to beat people at the same circumvent that. Because the twenty two year old guy is not gonna come up with a course you're gonna take seriously if he's only been there for a year. Mm. The guy that's been in it for seven eight ten years yeah of course and you might learn something right and you just make you make that facet of things accessible where that becomes a new version of being a content creator now you're not just production guy production guy now you're educator mentor mm-hmm. an educator mentor has a far more longevity because as long as there's new cameras coming out and as long as people keep turning 19 20 22 years old there's always going to be somebody that's going to be looking for that for the same reason why everybody says the fitness industry is super saturated i'm like absolutely not as long as fat people exist the fitness industry is not going anywhere <laughs> It's a little mean, that. but okay. <laughs> no, no. As long as as long as obesity exists, yeah, the remedy for that will also always be needed. As long as sick people exist, the pharmaceutical industry will will exist. Okay. As long as people get sick, you'll always need Nyquil. <laughs> okay, you know yeah, what I mean. And that, I probably enough, shouldn't have said fat people. I think as long as like you know what I mean. Though I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, I mean yeah. Also, I, I think I fit in that category of fat people. Like I need a personal trainer. So damn it, <laughs> I'm speaking to my own family, um, not my own like blood family. Just you guys know what I mean. Anyways, um, but as long as the need, or as long as the demand or the new entry of something comes in, there's always going to be need for the service provider in that space. Mm-hmm. Same thing with as long as we stay on social media, everyone's going to need a content creator to do stuff. Now, is there a, a good refresh rate in terms of how many creators come in versus how much demand there is i don't think so and i think that's why people kind of misjudge the content creation industry being saturated Hmm. i i know i've I've done a video for a dude who like barely finished high school paid full rate paid paid full up i've done it multiple like i've done more than once and like yeah i have the money let's go and i'm thinking i'm like you're like 19 years old you mean you just got money like that he's like yeah i need this done let's go i'm like okay at that point what do you, you know what I mean? Like if that if the demand has gotten to that point where people that are barely done high school understand the value of having content done, this industry isn't going anywhere. Nor do I think it's super saturated. Yeah, definitely. I mean, also, it's just crazy when you think about like the whole journey of like where you start versus like how you end up here. It's like <clears throat> it it really is crazy because like it, it feels like it's only been a few years that we've like all been because even for me, I feel like I'm just like barely getting my start in the whole thing but then like and now you're like you're already at the point where you're thinking end game (laughs) i don't even know if i'm thinking end game i'm just thinking addition like i'll still uh do the cinematography i'll still dop and i'll probably do that well into my 40s but i'm thinking of what things that those guys do back then that didn't really work out for like you like you have you have those career guys those career cinematographers that are 60 years old and maybe they're getting their first hollywood movie at like 55 Mm. What did they do between those two things? They didn't, like, and the thing is, especially with the, like, that film industry and like a way of people filming and stuff like that, everything was so close to the vest. They didn't share anything. Mm. People like, 
excuse me, cinematographers like Hollywood wouldn't get on YouTube and start sharing stuff, although that information is incredibly valuable. Yeah, it's a very new world it's concept. A, it's a yeah. very, very new world. And now you have so much less people saying, I want to be, so much more people saying, I want to be a creative independent contractor, but I need the education. I can't go, I'm not going to go to university for it. Mm-hmm. Right? So my thing is like, I'm just trying to find different streams of revenue that if one stops working, then there's always others. If you have... That's why you see a lot of guys like preset packs and lot packs of like that. Realistically, a lot of them are all very similar, if not the same. But again, it goes back to buying the person, right? Yeah. So if I like uh, short sash, he has, I think he has like a preset pack or something. Like he has like a, a photo editing tool. I think it only has like two looks in it. Mm-hmm. But you, but he uses those two looks all the time where you don't care that it doesn't have 15 presets that you're going to use. You might only use two. But you like him so much, you're going to buy the crap out of that. Sam Colder has a, a course on how to shoot videos like him, right? You mm-hmm. might never shoot a video like Sam Colder or ever get the opportunity that he does. There's maybe, there's maybe a single-digit amount of people I that have those same opportunities. Yeah. And I would say if you put five up in there, four of them already work with them. Right? <laughs> That's true. Probably, but you yeah. take something away from that course that you're yeah. willing to pay for. He, like, though, it's not necessarily an end game. It's just how do I add another stream as a creative entrepreneur, somebody that's you're front-facing and you're almost by yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you add more things where if, say, you're, you have a slow month of shooting. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, okay, cool. Then I could double down on the marketing for my let packs and presets. Right. Okay, well, maybe you have bad sales of the, the digital tools. Okay, cool. Maybe I could add a new course to the app that I have now. Hmm. Right? You could always kind of pivot and do something else. And I, I think what's happening now is especially because I'm realizing how burnt out I get from shooting all the time. I'm starting to explore those options as well. So at the time where I actually do hit that wall and I do hit that rock bottom, a lot of those other things are kind of already in place. And I'm not starting to make a course because I'm burnt out. I'm starting to promote my course because I don't feel like shooting so much anymore. Mm. But it all goes back to <laughs> it all goes back to being like water, and yeah. that that whole idea of just uh, you know act and then adapt and then be adaptable. Yeah. But let's bring the whole thing full circle then, because we talked about because we've went everywhere in this. But <laughs> I, but um, I mean, ultimately, we we talk about like you know providing. Ultimately, the thesis of this episode is value. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that you there's a lot of ways that you can provide value and ways that you establish value, whether it's by, you know, um, establishing yourself on your own social media, establishing a business uh, like a, a business presence and marrying those two things together. And also just making sure that you still have you still find value in what you do, because I feel like there's um, because with everything that you're talking about, there's there's just so much of just. I feel like there's a lot of people who you should understand that this is not normal. No, not at all. <laughs> not, not in the slightest. So if you're if you're if you're somebody who's out there, just you know, like you like, you, you know, you like you like photography, you like making little videos, you like capturing memories. That's how that's how I started. You and then you might watch this or listen to this and then think like, oh my god, I'm never gonna reach that level of like. Not even close. I still think there's big room for that. I think I just the I guess from my perspective, the entire thing is. Those things are great, and I still think everyone should do that. I think my voice is that you also still might maybe need to hear the competitive business side of things because yeah. we're sometimes we want to share memories and you want to, and like that hope of, oh, I wish X, Y, and Z happened from a career perspective. Mm-hmm. Then some of those, like some of the nuggets here or something like that. But in terms of like sharing memories and stuff like that and taking photos for the fun of it, I still heavily encourage that. I also heavily encourage sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I, just for myself and the way that things were brought up. Yeah, I just decided that I was going to do that later on in the career. So at least I set myself up a little bit first. Beforehand. Yeah. And the reason why I brought up the idea of like, you didn't have a plan step by step. You didn't know that this is exactly how you're going to do it. You just had a mentality 
that you approached everything with and yeah. everything came from that which was just be <laughs> be like water and uh you know so it i think there's there's a there's a lot of emphasis that i always try to put on keeping yourself creatively engaged and making sure that you are still loving what you're doing because ultimately that hopefully is what got you started yeah i don't know anybody who started in photography or video thinking like this is a great money-making opportunity i don't know a single person that has ever said that i think on some level it was for me i'm not gonna lie but i was also like i was broke as shit and i was on ei and i'm like ten dollars is better than no dollars Oh, well, that's that's an exceptional circumstance. Yeah, that's, that's if you're, if you're somebody <laughs> if you're somebody who's like somebody like who I was, which is like, you know, earning a, a salary, earning, you know, um, earning a salary with commissions and, you know, like making yeah. a good month to month to then leave that to say the like, yeah, this is this is a good financial yeah. decision. So you don't need to put any sort of level of pressure on yourself to say that, like, I need to do all of these things or I will not succeed. Yeah. I think you just need to have the right the right mindset the right mm -hmm. mentality to which of which from which you approach everything yeah and not just a single like step by step by step because nobody can tell you a step by step on no. how to do what and we do there's there's no there's no book if there was a book i would be reading the crap out of it right now and everybody would be doing it yeah it, and that's the thing and i don't think there ever will be a book at least not like until we're old and gray no um, and also just because like like what you said everything changes you know like five, like how many years ago we didn't know we were gonna have to do vertical content we wouldn't instagram have instagram reels didn't even exist instagram reels didn't like, exist tiktok didn't exist what was tiktok in 2019 yeah like would you have told me that like oh you're gonna have to start filming content for snapchat i would have never taken you seriously yeah but like you know like when when things like the tiktoks come around when the reels come around you just need to be open to it and find a way to incorporate what you do yeah incorporate the things that you like to do and offer them in a way that is valuable to others mm -hmm. or just intrinsically valuable enough that like just having it out there is enough for you yeah but if you're somebody who just if you want to grow whatever it is a, a, like a, a, a an influencer following i don't even know what you'd call that i don't know <laughs> if you if you want to grow a business if you want to grow uh, you know like a freelance business if you want to you know jump in on bigger sets that you have to find a way to live within the confines of the different fields of play that there are, whether it is reels, whether it is TikTok, yeah. whether it is whatever, you have to find a way to take what you have and push it to all of those different wow. avenues. You don't have to follow a simple format. I mean, like you don't have to follow trends. You don't have to follow all these things. You just have to know what it is that you that you like to do, and what you do that has value, and how to translate it into all those different languages. Because yeah. um, you know, like you talked also about like people who. Um, just kind of pigeonhole themselves into one genre or one yeah. type of thing because they only do that thing. So people only know you for that thing and they'll only hire you for that thing and you never do anything else. Like the, the best example for me is like, I've seen it with a few people who are <clears throat> strictly wedding photographers. Yeah, A lot of wedding photographers that I know get burnt out very fast because they get tired of doing only weddings and they just feel frustrated because they only get weddings. Like, what's well, You only shoot weddings. Wow. You have to make time for... You know, like, and it's exactly like you said, you might have to take a skinnier month. Yeah. If you're a wedding photographer, you have skinny months. You have months where people don't get married as much. That's the time that you need to be allocating to investing in other things, whether it doesn't need to be finance. You can be investing time. You can be investing time and effort into things that are going to expand yeah. beyond the thing that you do. I think the thing is called uh, two for you and one for me. Hmm. So, and uh, again, stolen from another podcast that I probably listened to. Um, but two for you, one for me. And again, this is like, again, I'm, I'm realizing these things now 
because I think what ended up happening was I did about 10 years of work in three, which was a terrible idea. Um, but the two for you, one for me basically means every two client projects you do, you have to do it for yourself. Mm. That might be a set of photos, might be an Instagram reel, might be a YouTube video, might be anything. Just every time you do two things for a client, one, the next thing you have to do has to be for yourself. And you have to marry yourself to the idea of that and not move on to the fourth thing, the, the next two for you, if you haven't completed the one for yourself. Mm. Um, which is a really good strategy that I'm trying to like to try to do now where every time I do two client projects, I'm, like, I'm not until I've like done something for myself on my own terms, I have no interest in doing the next project after that. It's a hard thing to sell um, a creative entrepreneur on to pass up on <laughs> yeah. you know, a paycheck that is well, probably not, something that they're really relying on. Passing on a paycheck, you're just putting a buffer in between it. Yeah. And also you're you you have to not view it as like passing up money. You have to view it as investing in your longevity. Yeah. Because if you only if you're only thinking, you know, the short term, then you're only going to live for the short term. Yeah. And if you have no plan for your longevity, you won't have one. No. So um anyways, man, this is uh <laughs> this has been a lot. Uh, it's been a, I did say this would be the longest podcast. It might be. You were <laughs> definitely the, the you, you definitely for like words per minute. If we were to translate yeah. it across to everybody and like information per minute, yeah, you definitely you definitely um have first place there. I think the description would be like if Christo, Gary V had a baby, but then found out that someone cheated and they end up being a little bit darker oh my skin. God, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean like I'm not short, but I am almost bald, so I mean like I guess that kinda works out, but I'm definitely not Asian. So I'm like like it would have to be like a weird uh scenario where they, them two clone themselves but they throw it in a black dude just to make it like full circle okay. the Rachel divide. All right. Well uh let let's just so just so that we haven't spent an hour and a half just talking business and shop, um give us your philosophy on the current Batman movie. So here's my thing. When they announced Robert Pattinson as Batman, I said it was going to be a great movie. I said, you, like, everyone's sleeping on the fact that Robert Pattinson played other roles that wasn't the guy from Twilight. And everybody got so mad. They're like, oh, no, this movie's going to be terrible. Why is the Twilight <laughs> guy playing Batman or whatever? I'm like, oh, so we just, we're going to forget he was in Tenet? Oh, okay, cool. Um, I think the cinematography <laughs> so was great. I also think that DC, um, that movie was a very DC movie. You know what I mean? Like a very mm -hmm. Batman movie. Because you read the Batman, Batman comics... It is dark and moody and brooding and like super visceral and brooding. Like it, it was a lot of those things. When I watched them, like, oh, I feel like I am watching like year one Batman. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm reading it on the screen. And they went for the narration. A lot oh, of yeah. people. They, they like. They a went, lot of people had a problem with the fact that like it started with with Robert Pattinson or like Bruce Wayne like mm -hmm. narrating. But I'm like every if you ever read a Batman comic, every All Batman comic opens with a narration. Yeah, he like gets you kind of like into the frame of like, yo, this is gonna be a really dark movie. Yeah, you're you're not going to feel sunshine and rainbows like you would in like say a Marvel movie <clears> per se. <throat> not to say that Marvel movies are bad. I love Marvel movies actually. I'm gonna go see <laughs> Doctor Strange on like for three days straight. Um, but he, like they they really set up the tone of being like this is not going to be sunshine and rainbows by any stretch. People will die. You will hear like the way that they did everything. They set you up in that narration. I think it, I think it was. I think it's my next to Nolan. If you remove Christopher Nolan, he never makes anything in the world. That's my favorite Batman movie. Like I put, I put the Nolan Batman series over okay, top of it. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but if you remove that, <clears throat> I would say that that was that was my favorite one. To be fair, in our lifetime, there haven't been many many iterations. I I like many Batman movies. They've just been really weird. <laughs> like we were around when like the Adam West Batman was on TV, which was horrible. <laughs> I, I don't think I was alive. It was for live that. action. It's terrible. I don't think I was. Um, I've I've seen. It. I don't think I was alive for that. Val Kilmer didn't like George Clooney. I didn't like. 
Um, I didn't see any of those. Uh, <laughs> played the Vulture, and I know I should know this name. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I'm so bad. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton was great. Michael Keaton was awesome. Um, Bale was Bale was amazing. That's my uh, bad man, yeah. I did not like Batfleck. Didn't like him. I like Batfleck. I, I, you know what? I might be one of the only people I enjoyed Batfleck. You know what? Okay, hang on a second. I'm going to correct myself. I thought he was okay. I hated BVS. You didn't like that movie? I, I hated I did not like Batman vs. Superman oh, whatsoever. Because it made no sense. Because they, they had, they, like, hang on a second. You have a death battle. You have uh, a death battle yeah. that stops because your moms have the same name. You couldn't write anything else. That is it. Is it? Oh, okay, like I'm. I'm gonna admit something here. Like I, you, I, if we turn cameras, you'll see my comic book collection. I'm huge, um, ba- like Batman fan. Yeah. It had never occurred to me that Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent's moms were both named Martha. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't. Think, it like, never it, occurred to when me when it happened. I was like, I thought it was a. Lo- I thought they made that up for the movie. I straight up thought they made that up. I'm when like, he's oh. no, when he said that, I it, it, like it clicked in my head, but I was just like, I literally had never thought about it until I that moment. I never, I like when they when he's like Martha, Martha. I'm like, that was it. That y'all, was y'all, y'all moms have the same name. That well, that moment was a little cringe. I, I, admit. I but like if that like that was a TSN game changing moment where I was like, okay, <laughs> like you couldn't. That's that's the best we got. Like that's what we. That's and yeah. then the Justice League movie. We all have feelings about the Justice League movie. So like every so aside from like was it was it wasn't BVS like bad like Batflex like first entry into yes yeah so like it wasn't Batman Ben Affleck that I didn't like I and I could I have to correct myself I don't think it was bat like Ben Affleck as Batman I think it was all the movies that he was in for the same reason I don't like Ben Affleck as Batman was the same reason why people thought that Robert Pattinson couldn't do Batman that's he was fair just, he wasn't that's a bad fair. actor he was just in bad movies. Yeah, he just didn't have a chance. He yeah, you don't. Shot. You didn't give him a chance because Ben I Affleck's still. a great actor, and I think Robert Pattinson is too. But you put him in terribly written movies or just movies with really weird plot holes in it, you're not going to buy it. Yeah, Zack Snyder did have a tendency to overreach with his final action sequences uh, or make four hour movies. Ruin Man of Steel with that end fight. It was just, oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was. I loved it up until at, at that point. Yeah. I was just like, Are we still breaking buildings? Yeah, I'm like, There's like, there's trillions of dollars of damage in this building. Oh, like, oh my god, and yeah, like, like, so the many fact, people. The died. fact that you guys just gonna forgive Superman <laughs> after that is insane and the taxes in, Met- in Metropolis are probably through the roof now yeah ruin the whole economy yeah. ruin the whole economy I will say though uh, Batman vs Superman however, however you felt about that movie that whole warehouse sequence most Batman thing I've ever seen in my life yeah fair enough yep <laughs> alright man well fucking hell dude, this has been amazing An thank you for doing this hour and a half solid I, <laughs> I'm amazed we didn't go for three hours. We probably can. We'll do a part two yeah. probably at some point. But uh, yeah, let people know what's going on. With I mean, you got tons of things going on. I mean, that might be a whole episode in its own. But uh, I'll try to go super quickly. I go back to LA in like a week. Um, I'll be by the time this comes out, you'll probably already be back. E- yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, God, probably. Um, Chip Shark stuff is going well. We have a, a bunch of like behind the scenes kind of like tutorial stuff going on. With uh, yeah, we need to even get to talk about that. That's uh, I, you know what. I think I talk about it enough on my own Instagram that I think yeah. If you want to, if you want to follow up on anything, if you do, if you somehow are watching this and don't know who Kofi is, I don't think that's possible. But um, all the gym shark nah, stuff. There's probably, there's probably new people in here too. Um, but what's it called? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with like some big companies in the fitness industry, which is cool because those are a lot of places I kind of applied to when I first started, and they ghosted me. So now <laughs> I work for them, heading a lot of their projects, which is insane. Uh, so a lot of that stuff's happening back in like from Canada and the U.S. is kind of cool. Um, and I want to buy a house in Ghana at some point. Oh, that's new. Yeah, that's I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. I think it's going to be like maybe in like a couple of years. Um, but 
definitely the way that the world's going, the way that real estate's going, I think maybe just not necessarily going to go move there, but I think just buying property in this place that your parents were born in makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, and you know, maybe you have a nice vacation house. You know, if I want to go make African YouTube content, I can do that. <laughs> uh, I should probably learn the language first, though. Like, I'm really bad at it. Well, we'll have to follow up with you whenever that happens. Yes, Until sir. then, uh, KY, the creative on Instagram. Please, nobody ever make that mistake again of Kai, the creative. You know someone's going to do it. Some people will still do it. People are finding you every day and they're still, they're misreading. I think my intro for my videos is going to be Say My Name by Destiny Child. <laughs> yeah, just to see what happens. Just see if it goes just see if it goes well or if it like creates some sort of like remembrance, but I doubt it. <laughs> well, KY the Creative on Instagram everywhere, YouTube's same, right? Everything's Yeah, YouTube I think is the same. Yeah, YouTube KY the now, Creative. So yeah, go, go check out everything he's doing and uh, that will be that's going to do it for this week's uh, 3DD podcast. With Mr. KY the Creative. Kofi Yaboa, KY the Creative. KY the Creative. KY. You sound the like creative. those commercials that you, like between Maury's show commercial breaks that like need to sell you a car or if Wacky Waving Flavin' will follow for them too, man. Wacky Waving Flavin'.